And that's exactly how God loves you. God loves you unconditionally. After the huge crowd of last weekend and, and continuing in our series, Glorious Ruins, I, wanna, I want us just to have a chat this weekend about intimacy. Because be there no question, God desires intimacy with all of us. Would you all agree with that? See, God desires intimacy. But if you're going to have intimacy with God, then, then intimacy only happens when there's intentional process, when you are when you are walking in that. And so if there's ever a place where the enemy is going to attack you, it is going to be in the area of your intimacy with God. Now, let me ask you another question. Anybody here want to be closer with God than you are now? Anybody? Amen. All right, good. So let me tell you one of the absolute greatest enemies of intimacy between you and God. If you're listening, Sam, are you ready? Then the, the enemy of intimacy is your emotions. It's our emotions. It's our feelings. Now, the problem is this. We are all emotional beings. We are made up emotionally, aren't we? And I love good emotions, but let me ask you a question. Have your feelings ever been wrong? Oh, let me ask you. Have your feelings ever got you into trouble? Oh, see, if we'd all get raw and real, if we all get honest, we've we all had our emotions mess us over, make us help us make stupid decisions, and really give us an erroneous you know view of what's going on. And so that's where we all are. We're all there. We're, we're, we all are stuck emotionally. So we got to decide what are we going to do with these emotions? How are we going to handle? What what are we going to do? So. Let me ask you, let me tell you one more thing about emotions. Emotions are a great caboose on the engine, but they're a horrible, on a train, but they're a horrible engine. Don't you love good emotions, warm fuzzies, and man, you know, just love and good emotions, and they're great at the caboose, but when you let your emotions drive the train, you are going to get derailed. Because let me tell you something about feelings. Feelings are not facts. Do you agree with that? See, you know, because what, what, now, would you also agree that God wants to be intimate with you? You ought to agree with that. Now, let me tell you one of the biggest problems with intimacy, and it comes out of our, out of our emotions, out of our feelings, <clears throat> and that is many times we feel unworthy to be intimate with God. Does that make sense? God's mad at me. God's angry with me. God's not have time for me. God's too big and I'm too small. My problems are too insignificant. God's got bigger. All these things. I'm, I've, I've done the same sin a hundred times and God is just so put out with me that I just feel unworthy. And what we have to realize is the source of erroneous emotions. When your emotions do not line up with the Word of God, your emotions are wrong. Do you agree with that? Now listen, man, I love you. Let me just let me speak into your life as your pastor. If you don't know the word of God, then you won't know when your emotions are wrong. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. It illuminates inside and outside. But if you don't know the word, then you are going to fall prey and easily derailed because you don't see what the what when, when your emotions are wrong. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. Are you ready? If you're listening, say I am. <clears throat> In whom we have boldness and confident access, God's doors up, we have access through faith in him. It goes on, basically the same thought in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 16, therefore let us draw near with confidence, did you hear that? 
when we're coming close to God with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But when you're in time of need and you feel unworthy, you're not going to access God. Even though the access is open, you'll let your feelings derail you. You'll let your feelings block you and you won't receive the help of God because you're not going to access the throne of God because you feel like, I, I shouldn't be there. I don't deserve this. Let me kind of tell you something. Feelings do not dictate your intimacy with God. God does. But if you allow it, your feelings will ruin your faith and your feelings will ruin your intimacy with God. Does that make sense? Because, man, your faith will mess up your feelings. Well, I don't, you know, man, if I got the flu, I don't even feel saved. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, God is a million miles away. Why? Because I'm sick and I feel bad. And so in 1 Corinthians Paul walks right into this helping the, helping the Corinthian church because so many people feel like, well, you know, uh, intimacy's okay for Paul and it's okay for Jesus and it was okay for Moses and Abraham and Elijah and Elijah. It's even okay for my pastor, but, but intimacy's really out of the reach for me and God because you just don't understand where I've been. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand how many times I've failed. No, you don't understand the grace of God and the truth of God. Listen, when God saved you, he knew where you were. Not only that, he knew where you were going. You know, if I was God, I'd be mad at you for what you're going to do five years down the road. Wouldn't you? Can you imagine going to God in prayer and you're seeking the face of, and, and you feel it and you say, God, I don't understand what's wrong because in five years, six months, and, and 23 days, you're going to step all in the stupid, and I'm chapped about it right now. <laughs> See, God loves us knowing what we did and knowing what we're going to do. Does that make sense? And so let's think about, let's think about this intimacy, and let, let's think about it over a cup of coffee. How many of you drink coffee? Amen. Well, praise God. It's, listen, I call it the holy bean. God made it, and it's absolutely wonderful. But, you know, coffee is an intimacy drink. See, Starbucks has made billions of dollars through intimacy, through connection and fellowship. It's just when you go to Starbucks, the whole store is created. They don't have a square table in the building. They're all round. It's, it's couches. It's free Wi-Fi, and it's expensive coffee. And uh, we buy that. Why? Now, now, let me tell you about that. About 10 years ago, I told this story, but the most expensive cup of coffee in the world is not sold at Starbucks. They're close, but not really. The most expensive cup of coffee is a coffee called Cope Luwak. Cope is the word for coffee, and Luwak is a name for a cat. And, uh, and this, this coffee is only on the Isle of Sumatra. Now, if you go to Starbucks, which I do, and you'll see Sumatra Bold, that's not what we're talking about. It's not what we're talking about. See, this, this coffee is, is, is found in this one island of Sumatra, and they've got this unique cat, and it's, it's, it's a nocturnal cat. And at night, the cat climbs up into the trees of the best coffee trees and eats the ripest beans. And then it, it, it digests those beans, and it, in the digestive process, it takes the, the outside layer off the bean, and then the cat leaves the coffee. I call it the litter box brand. <laughs> and so the natives of Sumatra walk around, they pick up these beans, the, the droppings cat poop coffee. They pick up this cat poop. Somebody thought that was a good idea. 
whoever said, hey, you know, it's like, let's smoke that, see what it does. Like, hey, let's, let's, man, let's, so they make it, so they make, it's the most expensive coffee, and it's supposed to taste good. I will know, nor will I ever know. If I drink cat poop coffee, it'll be by accident. Somebody will trick me. I will not have poured that into my cup. But see, that's the world. See, that is the world, glorious ruins. That's the world taking what the cat ruined and making it glorious. And, you know what I'm talking about? How many of you like honey? Let me see your hand. Honey. You like honey? I love honey. Honey is bee puke. That's what it is. And it tastes good. Bees threw up into the hive and you eat that. Don't tell me you won't eat Cajun food. You eat bee puke. Don't talk about me eating bugs from a ditch. Come on. And so... Listen, if the world can, do, can take trash to treasure, what can God do? Man, come on, what can God do? And so in dealing with this issue, I'm in 1 Corinthians. Let's camp out for a minute, starting in chapter 1, verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame things which are strong, and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man, no woman, no boy or girl could boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, as we think about feeling worthy or unworthy uh, to access and experience intimacy with God, first let's look at the makeup of the saints. So you realize we were chosen by God, right? God chose you. God picked you. God walked through the orphanage of life and looked into your room and saw that you were without him and God adopted you. He chose you. He picked you. He's walking with you. And I don't know about you, but I thank God that God's choosing us is not from anything external. It's not because we're the biggest, the best, the brightest, the fastest, the smartest, or the prettiest kid in the orphanage. God just chose to pour his love out on us because our God is good. In verse 26, it said this, not many of you are wise, the Greek word sophie. We get our word philosophy or sophisticated from this word. And, and can I tell you, as you look across America and you listen to the media and the culture, way, like, tons of people are too smart for God. Have y'all noticed that? You go to the college campus, they're way too smart to have God. Man, they're just above that. They've elevated. They're, they, they've elevated. That's, a little, that's why the Bible says, hey, not many of you wise were chosen. Because what happens, the wise people, the prideful people, self-select themselves out. They opt out of the kingdom of God because they're too prideful to humble themselves before the high and holy hand of God. Does that make sense? Pride blocks their way. And so God says, well, I didn't call many wise. Now, I'm, let me tell you, I praise God. We got some PhDs. We have some professors. We have people that run college campuses. We've got CEOs. We've got, we've got business leaders. We've got entrepreneurs. Man, we've got some sharp. We've got some great people. Let me speak to you guys for a minute. You ought to be hyper grateful that you're saved. See, if, you are, if, you, if the world looks at you and you are up in the world's eyes, and you are saved, you need to say, thank you, God. Because that's not typically who God reveals himself to. 
God is not looking for the most likely to succeed. Does that make sense? See, this is what I've heard all my Christian life. Well, man, you know, if, if, if so-and-so would get, if Tiger Woods would get saved, if, you know, if Brady, you know, Tom Brady would get saved, if, if, if some rock and roll star, Bono, would get saved, if, if, the, if, if these powerful people would get saved, we'd win America. No, we wouldn't because the culture would cut them off just like that. For every single one of them that does come to Christ, they are blacked out. Blacked out. So listen, God said, hey, I'm not looking for the world to achieve my cause. I'm looking for normal, regular people. Praise God because that's how I got in. He goes on and he says, hey, they're not many mighty. Mighty. The Greek word is dunamis, which we get our word dynamite, our power from. See, he said God's wisdom, my wisdom, is not like the world's wisdom. He said, wait a minute, Pastor, are you insulting us? No, no, listen, I'm not trying to insult you, but I am trying to get us to go back to verse 26. Consider your calling. Remember where you were when God found you. I'm trying to rip away this, this erroneous emotion that I'm just not worthy to be intimate with God. Does that make sense? Because, see, we, many of us have forgotten where we were when he found us. And, and, and you know, man, we were, I was wallowing. I, I was, I, my, my life was, had fallen apart when he found me. And he goes on and said, hey, there's not many noble. And this is an aristocratic culture that this is written to. And so he said, not many kings, not many princes, not many high and mighty, not many Rockefellers, not many Fords, not many, not many of the blue bloods, not many of the Caesars and the high and mighty. See, the Corinthian culture idolized the rich and the famous just like our culture does. Boy, man, man, we need to be like them. Look at them. But see, God doesn't pick his teams like that. I don't know about you, but I'm glad. Maybe you were the rich and famous. Maybe you were the sophisticated. Maybe you were the mighty. That's not where I was, and I praise God that God didn't pick teams like that. Now, when I was a kid, y'all remember Sandlot football? You know, two guys would get that. you be a captain, I'll be a captain, and they pick players. Y'all remember that? I hated that. I'm not kidding. I hated it because I was about five foot six, weighed 130 pounds. I mean, listen, I could, I could stand underneath the a power line and not get rained on. I mean, if I stood up and stuck my tongue, I'd look like a zipper. I was slow. I was uncoordinated. I couldn't catch. I couldn't run. I was terrible. You say, it couldn't be that way. It could. It could. So when they pick teams, guess what? You know, who do you pick first? Goober? Do you pick Goober? Who can't run? No. Do you pick Goober? Who can't catch? That was me. And so I always tried to be the captain. Here, let me pick. Let me pick. No, no, let's get people to know how to play football. No, no, let me pick. Listen, I wanted to pick because I knew if I didn't pick, I was last. Well, I'll take him, and 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 there was always me and a little fat kid left. Because we were both terrible. And then, you know, you, you guys that played sports, you know the deal, don't you? Well, if you take him, we'll take him. You know what I'm talking about? Nobody wanted you on their team. I couldn't make the swim team. I couldn't make the football team. I was horrible. But guess what? God wanted me on his team. Praise the Lord. Come on. Somebody in the house. Man. See, God's not looking because if God gets the rich and the famous, then the rich and the famous get the glory. God gets the Gideons. 
And if you're following on in our Bible reading plan for the church, and I hope you are, yesterday was Gideon in Judges chapter 6. God shows up, and man, the Israelites are under, under the Midianite control. They're slaves. Gideon is hiding in a cave trying to hide some food because every year at harvest time, the Midians would roll in, and they would take all the food, rape the women, steal the, all their cattle, all their food, and leave Israel to starve. And so God shows up in the cave and said, hey, Gideon, hero, mighty man of God, stand up and defeat the Midianites. He said, listen, God, you got this all wrong. You probably don't realize who I am, but, but can I tell you, my tribe is the least of the 12 tribes of Israel. And of the least tribe, my clan that I'm in is the least clan and the least tribe. And my dad is the least man and the least tribe and the least deal. And I am the least of my dad's sorry sons. And so you've got this all wrong. It can't be me. It's got to be somebody else. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? It's what Moses did. It's what Abraham did. It's what we do. I don't feel worthy, God. You can't use me. God can use anybody he wants. And if God wants close to you, come on. Let's get all up in God's space. Get in the Word. Get in your prayer closet. But I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it. I don't care how you feel. Come on. There are times that my wife and I have some intense fellowship. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all call it fighting. We're spiritual. So we have intense fellowship. And there are times that I look at Michelle and I say, I love you by faith. Because <laughs> I don't feel it. You know what I'm talking about? And she'll look back and she'll say, I love you too. And I say, don't, 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 don't clench your teeth, honey. I'm not getting warm fuzzies. See, but we love each other, and it's not about how we feel. We're committed. I told her, we got married. If you leave me, I'm going with you. <laughs> I told her when we were dating, listen, we're going to grow old together and put our teeth in the same jar. <laughs> she said, can we keep our teeth? <laughs> See, it's not about how you feel. It's about your faith. It's why the devil d just demolishes the church. Well, I don't feel God, I don't feel welcome, and I don't feel like it, and I just don't feel, and I don't feel. Come on. Come on. God said, listen, God chose the, look, look, in, verse, look in verse 27, but God chose those foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. God chose the base things and the despised. God has chosen that the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. You don't feel worthy. You were picked by God. God loves you and wants intimacy with you. And it breaks the heart of God when you let your wrong feelings block you from the Father. Does that make sense? He wants intimacy with you. He loves intimacy with you. So, man, we, we've got we to see the deal. Does this, this make sense? Am I, is anybody hearing this? Come on, we, man, we, we've, got, we've got to get a hold of this, gang. We've got we've to see what's going on or we're going to miss it going to miss it. Look at verse 29. So that no man may boast before God. We don't have anything to brag about. I don't have anything to brag about. Verse 30 said, it's his doing that you're in Christ Jesus. He did it. So why do we brag like we did something great? Why do we brag like we're great? He did it. He called you. Remember where you were when he found you? I do, man. I was ruined. And God took those ruins and made them glorious. That's what this series is all about. And God wants to be close with me, and he wants to be close with you. He wants to walk with you. I mean, that's, that's, that's what he's doing. Does that make sense? That's what God wants to do. Look, can I just tell you my greatest fear? 
Let me just be real. My greatest fear is stealing the glory of God for what God has done at Faith Promise Church. And then becoming arrogant and prideful because of what God did and then lose my intimacy with God. Last weekend, 12,750 people were on our campuses. And man, I can look at a small church and say, wow, look at us. Look at, look at me, man. Look, look, I get, look what I get to do. Look who I am. And my erroneous feelings will block me from God. Does that make sense? Because only the humble hear from God. Only the humble walk with God. That's why he doesn't choose the mighty and the noble and the proud. He chooses, chooses regular people like us. Now, if you grew up in church, let me tell you what you learned in church. Are you ready? If you're listening, say, I'm ready. You learn to fake it. You learn to get up and get dressed and go to church and act like your life was perfect. Your mom and dad screamed all the way, cussed each other all the way to church. So you pulled in. Somebody said, we're here. And everybody... You know what I'm talking about? Nobody walked in church and said, hey, can somebody pray for me? My life sucks, man. I, I pushed my wife last night. We're, we're broke. Man, I'm struggling with porn. Nobody walks in and says, hey, I don't know that my marriage is going to make it. No, no, we're taught by the world. We were taught by the church to walk in and act like it's all fine. See, as long as people think we're okay, then that's all that we need. And what we chose in the church is image over intimacy. Does that make sense? We, we chose image, how people view us. We chose reputation over revival. We're in a position, church, where, listen, God can explode through us. If we'll believe, he'll do it. 355 people in Campbell County, they've never seen anything like that. We need God to open a big old honking building for us in Campbell County. We need God to open a North City building. We need a new building for our North Knoxville campus. Man, it is busting at the seams, and we need God to move. But just imagine if we stay humble and close and clean what the Spirit of God can do. Revival can break out. Drug addicts can get saved, and broken marriages will get healed, and prostitutes will walk in, and CEOs that are stuck in greed and lies, man, they'll come in and repent of their idolatry, and people will come and find Jesus and get intimate and walk in peace and glory. That's the plan of God. Come on, church, let's get real. That's where we are. I believe it's the reason young adults have quit going to church. Because they wrote to that church to their mom and dad, and they look at other families and say, I wish my family's like their family. Look, that mom and dad's holding hands over there. I wish my family's like their family. And then somebody finds out that he's on porn, that they're addicted to drugs, and they're in some kind of sexual dysfunction, and they got all this going on. Why? Nobody ever knew. You know, the only place I ever really think about opening up the door for Michelle is the parking lot here. So y'all will see me. Oh, look, the pastor. Look how he loves Michelle. Everywhere else, get us. Get your own door. What are you, what are you talking about? Y'all, y'all know, can, I just, can we just be real this weekend? Come on. See, we, we need to remember where we came from. That we all, man, I was in the garbage heap. Let me tell you, this is where I was, and this is how I felt. Like an old shoe. That's how many of you feel. And you won't walk in intimacy with God because you feel so unworthy to walk with God. You feel worn out, past your prime, done, used up. 
walked on. Maybe your past, you screwed up. Maybe you're in your fourth marriage or maybe you've gone through bankruptcy or maybe your kids walked out on you or, or whatever and you just feel and the devil's taking your past and he is kicking your tail with it even though Jesus died for your past and rose from the grave and you no longer should walk in shame or blame or play that game. You need to walk in intimacy and victory with God no matter how you feel because see, God took what was ruined in your life and he's going to make it glorious. Jesus, the Son of God, born in a cave, laid in a feed trough with old nasty rags that were in the barn, crucified on a garbage heap, tortured by the world, put in a borrowed tomb, and he rose glorious and victorious over all of our sin and all of our shame. He said, but how could God use me? God used Jacob. He was a liar. God used Moses. He was a murderer. God used David. He was an adulterer and covered it up with murder. He used Rahab, she was a hooker. He used Peter, a foul-mouthed fisherman. He used Mary Magdalene, a demonized hooker, to serve our Lord. He, he used Zacchaeus, who was a traitor and a thief. He used Paul that persecuted the church and voted to kill Stephen. They're the first martyr in the church. Your pastor, ex-drug addict and dope dealer. Why in the world do you feel unworthy? The feelings are not from heaven, they're from hell. Walk into the throne of God every day and access our Father. Come on. I used this story years ago. Ron Greenfield was a Vietnam vet. In a helicopter crash, he lost a leg. Came back home to rehab. His girlfriend dumped him, no family. He was rejected, dejected, two years in rehab to learn to walk on a prosthetic leg. And he's at home watching the news, and he sees two Russian boys who were born without, each born without a leg. And he said, I got to do something. They're, they're now, they're, you know, they're toddlers. They're in, he, he, so Ron flies over there and goes through the process, and Ron adopts these boys. He goes to the hospital where these two boys are. Their family didn't want them. Nobody wanted them. Walks in through an interpreter and says, hey, I'm going to be your new dad. I'm taking you guys. I'm taking you guys to America. I'm going to be your dad. The boys didn't get it. They said, we don't understand. Nobody wants us. And then Ron took off his pants to show those boys he too was missing a leg. And those two boys and Ron got in the floor, and they played. See, Jesus got in the floor with us. Are y'all with me? He got in the floor with us. Revelation 3.20 says, if anyone will, I'm knocking on the door of your heart, if anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come with you and sup with you and you with me. So you know what? There are people last weekend that didn't surrender, but you're ready now. You're ready to give it up to the Lord. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, right now, campus pastors, all of our campuses, if you guys would make your way forward, if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. We're going to pray it out loud with you. It's a confessional prayer. Just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I will walk with you. I put my faith in you. Help me now live as your follower. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give God some praise in his house. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me at any campus this weekend or last weekend, if you'll take a communication card and say, and you know, hey, I prayed, there's a box check, I prayed with the pastor, or I need baptism, or sign me up for starting point or next steps, whatever you need. If you'll take the communication card with our guests and drop it in the offering boxes, 
Faith promise, you know, some of us give that way. A lot of ways we give. You guys be faithful. And again, next steps or starting points. And, and I want to challenge you. Mother's Day is coming up in two weeks. Another great day to bring family and friends. Listen, we don't invite people one weekend, do we? We invite them every weekend. We have 52 weekends every year. Has it been good to be in God's house? Man, we love you. Be blessed. See you next weekend.